Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others aspiring to be them can follow in their footsteps. Okay, guys, uh, welcome to another episode of Latte with a Lawyer. I'm Jonathan Brickman, and today we have with us Kyle Kaufman from the uh, state of Wisconsin, and the name of your firm is... Is it still Holly Kaufman and Kautzer? It is, Jonathan. Thanks for having Excellent. me. Excellent. Good. Good to, good to have you. For sure. Um, so we're already midday here, but I got to ask you, what's your favorite morning beverage to get you going? Oh, man. Um, you know, it, it's, I guess, coffee or an espresso. Uh, lately, it's really been the espresso. I kind of have a morning routine and um, that's, I really look to that. Uh, I've got, uh, I wake up, I read, and then I work out and then uh, hit that espresso, uh, sit down with that and do a little bit more reading. And that, that's, that's really how I kickstart my day. Oh, good. And then really coffee through the rest of the morning. I just, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, what kind of workouts you do in the morning? Oh man, I've just been on this thing. I just do a 10 minute workout. It's all that I do. Really? Um, we, we, yeah. I, you know, I just, compressed time, right? We have a lot going on and I just like the consistency of it. Um, I've had periods of my life where I do a little bit more, but, um, you know, I guess I would say during the weekday, I limit it to 10 minutes. It's either going to be on a Peloton or using the Peloton app to do like body weight workouts. Um, I might try to sneak in a quick run. And then on the weekends, I tend to do something maybe a little bit longer, um, like a, a longer run or something of that nature. And I just kind of view the rest of the day then as exercise, right? Like if I get that solid 10 minutes of focus in, then the rest of the day, whether I'm walking or getting on a bike, it's kind of like the, uh, I don't know, cherry on the top, so to speak. So, there you go. so that's what that's what I do, 10 minutes, and it's enough to satisfy me. Oh, good. Well, you look like you're in pretty good shape. So you must be intense for those 10 minutes. <laughs> it's a consistency, man. It's, you know, it's the, it's the compounding effect of things, right? If you do it daily. So yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I agree. Absolutely true. So, uh, so uh, tell us about your, uh, your law practice. What kind of law you practice? Okay. Sure. Yeah, for sure. So um, really focused primarily on family law. Um, when I first got started in it, if I, if I could just share this, I, I, I didn't want to do family law. And I thought, I mean, the first divorce case I had, I, I worked on it for like a day and a half. And then I said to the senior attorney, I don't know what to do. Can you help me yeah. cast it off? You know, and it was just like being bombarded with all these questions. And it made sense, right? Because your life is like rapidly changing and people have questions. And I think the public generally, when I say I do family law, thinks about the emotions, right? And that's yes. a large part of it for sure. Um, but those emotions are really everything because it's the things that are near and dear to your heart. Sometimes it's your dignity, it's your money and your kids and the things that are important to you. So, um, you know, I really got serious about it after getting my butt kicked, honestly, by like more experienced lawyers, because I kind of came in thinking, this is family law, we're going to talk and be amicable and work things out and do things that make sense. And they started as they should, their lawyers applying the law to these cases too, and just kind of running circles around me, to be honest. And yeah. I just got sick of it. And one day decided that's enough and just became so much more better prepared. And what I discovered is there's a lot to learn. Um, you know, all sorts of people come in with financial situations. It's, it's not just a simple tax return. They may have businesses, investments. And I just started I love to learn, lifelong learner. So I just started learning more and more and more and realizing there's a lot to these cases. And then we love working with people that come in 
they kind of have a standard of living that they expect for themselves. And a lot of times they're living way below that. So we love, you know, kind of, you know, identifying what the bar is for them. And either if they're the person that has to bring it up, helping them bring it up or setting that standard and saying to the spouse, look, we're not going to lower our standards for, you know, our clients or their kids any longer and uh, really driving our cases to that end to get, to get people to really exit with their dignity their money and their kids. Those are the three three things we really look at. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. No. I for whatever reason, I've had a lot of uh, attorneys as guests here that have been in family law. Mm. So I got to ask you a question because this has come up many times. Um, so I got to get your view on it because you're in you're in the Midwest. Um, prenups is yeah. that becoming more common in your practice? I, I think so. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I. I and I, I, I don't know what the explanation is for that. Um, I think the, the internet <laughs> has a lot to, yeah, a lot to say about people's education, right? Um, as lawyers, we held on to so much knowledge that wasn't always public. And now people have a lot of information available to them. So when they come to us, and you probably see this too, clients are just more experienced. They have more knowledge and questions. So yeah. they seem to understand the process. Maybe they're not hearing it for the first time and it's not so scary. So I, I, I do think people mm. have these ideas and are more open-minded to them. And we are seeing prenuptial agreements more often. Um, you know, and Wisconsin has made some recent changes to its laws here also, um, I, I guess I would say in the divorce process to allow for agreements to have effect sooner than later. And, um, and, and I think it's helping to move these cases along a little bit faster. So that's not post, uh, I mean, that's not prenuptial, but, you know, recognizing that agreements between parties are important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. interesting. I mean, it's a partnership, as I hear people describe it. It's yeah. a partnership, right? And you have to, if you don't have a prenup, you're treating it like almost like a business relationship, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, really, uh, it's part of growing up, I guess, you know, yeah. and, and wanting to, to be serious about it. And just, you should be honest with your spouse anyways, right? And getting into that. And, you know, it's a part of that communication that if you really trust each other, we, you know, people view it as, hey, it's all going to work out. I'll never need this. Um but if you're interested in really controlling your outcome, certainty for yourself, um, which I think to some degree all of us, you know, are right, um, it, it does provide certainty for both parties I, and and give some clear indication. And maybe maybe in relationships, people are just better then because they know the outcome if things yeah. don't go right and. Right. Uh, you know, we're getting into a different subject, but as people make decisions in their marriage that lead to divorce, maybe, maybe they would decide differently. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's interesting. So yeah. besides that, I mean, what, what's like, what's sort of the core of your practice? The, the, like from the family law area, where am like, I getting I mean, involved? so, I mean, it is family law, but I mean, sure. Divorce. Divorce, I mean, what, yeah. Tell me what are the kinds of things you work on? Ch- child custody. Um, you know, lots of questions. We have, you know, more and more families that are non-marital couples, right? Um, Children, non-intact families. So more than ever, we're seeing more paternity cases. We're seeing situations where people are very confused about what that means, right? In in a marriage, you have children and um, we know your mom and dad and you're on equal footing right off the bat, you know, but in a non-marital situation, mom gives birth, you know, dad might sign an acknowledgement and be on the birth certificate, but what does that really mean for custodial decision-making? What does that mean for placement? 
you know, when they're living together and this, and, you know, the relationship is good, everyone's happy, but the minute somebody leaves the house or, or whatnot, um, you know, people start to question, what are my rights here? And so we see a lot of people coming in more and more with that, you know, and we're seeing situations too. What do we do with significant others and step-parents? I'm a step-parent myself, right? So, you know, that's something that resonates with me. And um, we have different opinions on the role that those people play in the lives of the children. And, and you see a lot of conflict with that. And uh, that's, you know, unfortunate, but so a lot of paternity actions, man, we do guardianships, adoptions, um, you know, it could be a child support action. It can be uh, maintenance, spousal support, post-divorce stuff, uh, you know, dividing retirement plans, um, you know, just, and, you know, there's offshoots of it, right? Like things that are adjacent, real estate matters, um, you know, oftentimes come up. Um, I, I've been practicing 17 years now, Jonathan, and I remember my, one of my first divorce cases when the economy was good and sell, you know, you could sell the house and people were happy, split the proceeds and left. Then we went into that, you know, era where you couldn't sell a house and people had financed it so high that getting the home was really a liability. And we had that for years and years and years and years. And it was, it was difficult and people couldn't refinance and they were selling for a loss. And, um, you know, then uh, obviously now, uh, as a lot of people have seen with the real estate market, we're back to this idea where everyone's selling their house and splitting yeah. things. So, you know, you just have to deal with those different complexities. You know, I remember early on learning a lot about things like reverse mortgages, um, you know, all sorts of different creative ways to try to divide the estate mm. um, because there just wasn't a financial, you know, ready solution there. Yeah. Interesting. So I saw mm-hmm. in your background. So, I mean, the, so you have a lot of complicated cases potentially, right? So yeah. it looks like you've gone to um, trial and litigated. I mean, how often does that yes. happen? So my, my, my background, first off, was I started as a criminal defense lawyer. Um, we were really primarily a criminal defense law firm. And oh, I see. So when, okay. I, when I came out of school, I got started. I was taking everything, right? Like appointments from the public defender's office. If, if it was a county appointment from a judge, I would take it for a criminal case. And then people, private hires, right? And I was doing a lot of criminal work, which was, okay. which was good at the time. It got me in the courtroom. It got me in front of judges. Um, into negotiations, uh, both to the district attorney, maybe even my clients, right? Yeah. Um, and and had a number of trials. And at that time, then I started doing guardian ad litem work, which in Wisconsin, that's a court-appointed attorney who represents the best interest of children in family matters like divorce or termination of parental rights. So most of my trial experience with a jury came in those criminal cases and those GAL cases. The trials that I have now are really court trials, trials to the court, right? Um, Unless it's a termination of parental rights, which that is part of the family law practice that we have, that can include a jury. So, you know, the, the, I mean, the first jury trial I had was in a criminal case, and it's really my most memorable because, um, you know, you go to law school and they try to train you to be a lawyer and, you know, you try to figure out what that really means. Yeah. And it was a, it was a full day trial. And man, I was trying, I have to say, I really was trying to get my client to settle. And he just was like, no, I didn't do this. Right. And I had to have a moment with myself, probably about 24 hours before the trial, where I just finally accepted he didn't do it. You know, look at the evidence yourself. Don't be so scared about, you know, bringing this to the line and crossing it. Just 
look at this and go and do it right and and have the trial and we went in that morning man and i i i was terrible i you know when i was <laughs> shaking you know and i came back to the table my clients like are you a little nervous you know and you know the morning just didn't go well um the senior partner uh and i wasn't a partner at the time but the senior partner he, he, he sent some people from our office. He's like, Hey, some guys are going to come watch you. And I was like, no, no, you know, but, um, so they're sitting in the back and we kind of broke at lunch and I was just like, Oh man, this is a mess. Um, and I took, took a little break and I just had a little talk with myself. I was like, just get in there and be yourself. You know, you've told this story before you've kind of, you know, when you've tried to kind of run the trial ideas by, your, your family and friends, they understood your case. So just do what you be yourself, right? That's what they tell yeah, you in law school. Sure. So I went back in there and the, the afternoon was much better. Um, you know, that's really when the defense gets to shine, right? Anyways, um, and put on our case. And I knew I finally got it when I was doing my closing arguments and, you know, really just kind of honed it in and, and got down to the very basic, simple things. Um, and as I was talking and just kind of being myself, I was looking at the jurors' eyes and I saw them at the start of it, they were all just kind of looking down, right? And, and I got the sense of like, they don't believe me, they don't trust me, they don't, you know, yeah. they don't see it. Yeah. And as I talked more and said the right things and pointed to the right evidence or lack thereof, one by one, I saw their eyes go up and kind of light up and, you know, give me direct attention. And I knew at that point, it was like that feeling that came over me. I, I, I had it and I knew it. And, you know, and, and it was a not guilty and it was a wonderful feeling. And one of those things that reminded you of why you put in the hard work and go to law school and fight for people that need that help. Right. Yeah. Um, so I always just remember that moment, but I would have never had that feeling if I didn't go to the line and cross over and do the work and actually get in the courtroom, have the trial and put on the evidence, I would have never experienced that or told you this story today. Yeah, that's so right. It, it's just a matter of in anything, whether you're an athlete or not, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks, go play the game, actually get on the field, yeah. run the plays, yeah. right? And yes. see what happens. So yeah, so, that's my, that's so my most that, memorable trial so experience. That's a great story. Yeah. Um, and you got to get outside your comfort zone, which is what you're really saying, right? Yeah. To grow. So, I mean, so that didn't motivate you to stay with criminal defense, did it? Well, it did for a long time, you know, okay. and that was really, I guess, my ballywick, if you said it that way. And, and I guess I, I view life as, you know, we have different era, you know, different portions of our life is, I don't know if it's the right way to say it, but like an athlete, right? Like you might be an amateur and then you're a pro athlete for a period of time, mm -hmm. but then you retire from it and you move on to the next thing. And my personality tends to be that I like challenges. And it's not to say I wasn't challenged in, in criminal law, but as people, the, the phone started ringing more for me on the family law. And I kind of questioned that at first. And then I just realized that people must like the work that I'm doing there and uh, respect that. And I should probably kind of follow that a little bit. And then as I got into those family law cases, as I was saying, I really started to get fascinated with what I was learning from my clients and opposing parties about different ways that they were making it in the world. Um, you know, it's one thing that's really unique to the family law. I mean, we do all this discovery to find out financial information about their businesses and their investments. And you learn there's a lot of ways to get places in the world. And I, I started to question that and, and figure out, 
in my own life, what kind of goals I wanted for myself and things that I wanted to do in addition to the lawyering. And this isn't, <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but if you're hanging around at the jail and meeting, you know, clients charged with crimes, whether they did it or not, or it, it's, it's kind of your, um, you know, who, you know, who's the, who are you associating with? And there was a period of time where I was interested in, in that, the criminal aspect of how to defend somebody charged with a crime and the technicalities of that and protecting innocent people. And I did that for a good period of time. And I just finally told myself I, that was enough time. And it was mm -hmm. time for me to move on to learn something different. Um, so I had my last criminal case in 2020 and it resolved in 2021. Uh, oh, so not that um, long ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So la last year I would have closed it up for sure, but I took my, I guess the last case I would have started was in 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, so you're going, you're going with the flow. You're going bringing with an associate along here too. Yeah. Was also getting into the criminal and, and I thought, well, why am I standing in the way of, of his progress? Why am I scooping up the criminal cases when he could be doing that, you know, and I wanted to get out of the way to give him a chance to, gain his own clients. You know, what was the point of me taking a case in, having him assist? And, you know, he's a, he's a good, uh, great lawyer and I might as well clear the way for him to take those criminal cases. Oh, good. Yeah. So there could be something in the future when you feel like you've, you know, done what all you need, what, what you need to do in family law, there could be something to follow this. Who knows? Well, there, yeah, there, there could be, you know, yeah. I just, you know, different, different times in our life, different eras. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a kind of an old thought that, you know, you, you, you do one thing your whole life and, you know, I just see it as, uh, you know, relationships change, interests change, at least for me. And yep. I like to kind of keep moving on to different things and challenges. I think that's a good approach. I, I do not disagree with that. So good. That's good stuff. Well, how'd you even become a lawyer? How did that happen? Yeah. Um, so it really goes back to when I was a teenager, um, and I was driving to work, um, and I was uh, like a, a dishwasher busser at a little local greasy spoon restaurant. Um, and it's one of those days in Wisconsin where, you know, snow starts falling and temperatures are changing and the snow starts coming a little bit more and yeah. the roads become a little bit slick. Right. So I'm driving to work and as I approach an intersection, there's another vehicle that's coming upon me that's trying to make a left-hand turn essentially in front of me, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so as I'm coming up to that intersection and this person was trying to turn, um, it was it ended up being a woman, but she, you know, stopped in my lane, right? Mm -hmm. and, and she realized that she was turning in front of me. And so I hit the brakes and skidded out and ended up <laughs> hitting a city bus that was oh, that was uh in a, heading in a different direction but I, I was fine physically and that sort of thing and um you know so the police came investigated it all and I said hey the lady was turning into my lane and she stopped and I you know tried to evade her and ended up hitting the bus um okay all right we'll get back to you well they got back to me with a ticket um to, for me you know, not against her and a ticket that cited me for um, speeding uh, in excess, uh, you know, something like it was a speeding ticket, but yeah, yeah. Um, too excessive for the road conditions or something like that. And I was just so upset by that. And I thought, you know, that woman was probably in her 50s and she even came out of her car and said, I just came from the dentist and I just got this medication and, you know, I'm so sorry. 
and she's apologizing to me. And I thought, Hey, I'm, I'm 17 years old and I'm getting the ticket. I think probably because I'm a young person yeah. and I, I don't know if there's any truth to that or not, but that's what I felt. And I just remember thinking, and we had some family friends that were lawyers and, and I went to him and thought, can you help me with this? And I just kind of got the idea, like, I want to help people in a situation like mine that feel like they maybe don't have a voice. So that's really where it started. And when I went to college, there was a professor who in the first week kind of said, hey, you know, you guys should really be aware of current affairs. And I recommend you all subscribe to at least one major magazine, right? So the one that I chose was US News and World Report. And so there I was in college and this thing would come to my house and my, you know, uh, roommates were like, why are you getting this? magazine, you know. Um, but the fun thing about US News and World Report is the rankings that they do on schools, right? right? And I just thought that was neat. And I saw these law school rankings one day. And when I went off to college, I wanted to make sure I got off to a really good start. And so I had a really good GPA by my sophomore year. And I looked at the rankings and I'm like, I've got a good G GPA here. And there's this LSAT, this, you know, entry exam. And if I just do well on that, man, maybe I could go to a really cool law school in a cool city. You know, I always wanted to live in a big city. And so that's kind of where I set a goal on that and said, I'm going to law school um, and uh, kept my grades up and, you know, did the LSAT and all that. And I ended up at um, DePaul Law School in Chicago. So Excellent. that's really kind of where it got started. Excellent. Um, yeah. That's, good that's story. story. That's yeah. a good story. So what would, what would your advice be today for someone who's thinking about law? What would you tell um, them? Yeah, you have to really think about what are your unique abilities. Um, that's a term I'm stealing from Dan Sullivan, if you know who that is, strategic coach. But And think about how your unique abilities would be helpful for the legal practice. So, um, you know, we all see lawyers and TVs and movies and you know, you have to really think like, what, where, where would I fit in? And, and so what I mean by that is if you are a, um, you know, I guess I have described my unique abilities is I love to learn. Um, I love to imagine and I love to create. Okay. So I'm very good at listening to my clients, researching their case, and then imagining how that plays out, like what the end result is for them, and then putting that into action. And, and that's honestly where I best serve my clients. I'm not good at writing a legal brief. Mm. I, I can't stand it, right? Um, I understand the concept of it, but actually sitting down and getting that from idea to execution is difficult for me. So that's something, thankfully, here, we've you know hired people to help with that, right? I'm good at the discovery end of it and listening and imagining. And the creation part really comes by me delegating it. But so that's what I would say. If you're thinking about law school and it's a great profession to be in, somebody once told me a client, hey, that's a noble profession. And I agree. Um, we, you know, as lawyers, man, we deal with a lot of situations and a lot of emotions and people's personalities. And, and they, they come to us and, and it's whether it's criminal or family, it's the important things to them, their liberty, their children, their money. And they trust us with that. So make sure you're a trustworthy person, to be honest, and that you have good values and that you're ready for it. You do have to be in good shape mentally and physically. We talk about that here all the time to do our jobs, to keep up with the demand and what people are asking us to do and to kind of carry that weight. You do, you have to be there mentally and physically and, and keep up with that. So those are some suggestions. It's not all. Um, read and write, do a lot of reading. 
you know, reading is great for your mind. It's like a puzzle every day. So just keep reading, 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 um, reading, practicing your writing, um, communication, really important. Learn how to communicate. Um, that's going to get harder for people, the younger generation. It's hard for them to get on the phone, really, right? Yeah. They like to email and text. And, yeah. you know, maybe it'll go that way, but you do have to learn how to communicate with people, right? So those are my suggestions. Excellent. Well, I like yeah. your enthusiasm. It's good. Good <laughs> stuff. Is the firm growing? Are you growing? Yeah. The you are. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Are we growing? That's yeah. 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 Yes. We, we see ourselves. Um, so I'm 41 years old and I have a goal to essentially get out of production of a lawyer at age 45. Okay. okay. So you have um, four so years. To, yeah. So to do that, you know, I mean, at first it kind of starts with the idea of age 65 or something, you know, something like that. Sure. And then I scaled it back to maybe 10 years from now. And then we got it down to 45. And we thought, what would you have to do? Even if today, tomorrow, I just decided I'm not going to like practice law anymore. And, you know, I kind of wanted to run the business end of it and be able to take the cases that I wanted to take when I wanted to, right? Not that um, as a lawyer and a business owner, it's hard to be in both places. So um, for us to grow, we have to practice by interviewing people, hiring people, yeah. team members, lawyers, and get us to a point where um, I'm expendable. And, and that's okay as a lawyer, right? Like I, I think I'm doing my best for my clients and my community. If I'm hiring a lawyer who's better skilled than I am, right? There's nothing better that I can do for my clients than say, I'm great, but this next person is better. And, and I, I think my clients would appreciate that. So, and um, so we're growing, we've added an attorney, we've added several team members, we moved from one office because we ran out of space to another and we filled this place up. Um, I think some of it is dumb luck, some of it is COVID, but a lot of it is our ideas and our hard work. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'd like to be able to have a presence in the counties that are surround us and maybe even something better than that. So we're okay. having a lot of fun Excellent. Um, and it's, it's hard work but we're having fun. It sounds like you're having a good time. That's, yeah. that's excellent. And, and how about technology? You're leveraging technology in the practice to go. Yeah, you know, it, we are. Um, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk says it's not going away. So, you, you know, I, I think, you know, I think two years ago, I wasn't on any of the social media platforms. I was one of those people that was proud of that. Like, Hey, I don't do that. Um, well, that's how people are going to find you. That's how people are going to know about you. Um, and so one thing that we did um, in June of 2020, right, everyone was kind of transitioning during the pandemic. And, you know, we added to our, it seems simple, but we added to our website, a scheduling option that allowed our clients to schedule appointments with us. They can see when we're available to talk to them and they could schedule right there, whether it's by phone, in person or Zoom. Okay. And in the county where we live in, in Sheboygan County, there's no other law firm that had that, right? So mm -hmm. immediately sets us apart and, it, and it's a convenience to our clients, right? Versus how many times do clients or prospective clients call and say, well, I called and nobody called me back, right? Or I can't get a hold of my lawyer. And, and we didn't want to be that law firm. And we wanted to put it right out there to say, here's how you can find us, set it up. Um, so that's one piece of technology that we've used, I think, which has made a major difference. And then, of course, the use of Zoom and video conferencing, right, really kind of changed things. Um, so that, uh, you know, of course, there's different ways to use technology, case management and things of that nature. But from the client's perspective, customer's perspective, I would say those features um, 
I, it's a kind of a unique thing, but Sunday mornings, um, and my wife and kids allow it, but I, I, I do appointments from eight to 10 AM every Sunday. And, um, a lot of those are by zoom. And, uh, you know, that's, I guess, another way to run your law practice is, uh, from home on a Sunday morning and, uh, using technology. We couldn't do that without technology. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. No, I think a lot of the stuff that we did because out of necessity is going to stay right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You add efficiencies. I mean, the things that don't require travel or, you know, scheduling, like you said, it, it, the, oh, yeah. you're not going to roll those things back. Right. It, we're right now we're still in a position here where we're doing some trials by zoom, some by telephone and some okay. in person. And so that's unique, right? Cause you're getting ready for each trial differently. Like how do I prepare for this one? Um, and you know, it's been good for preparation. I always think a key to a successful lawyer is being prepared and the technology, you know, you, you not say we would, but you could wing it. You'd have your exhibits and kind of bring them the day of the hearing. If, you're in compliance with the scheduling order. And now you have to pre-file a lot of that stuff. And so it really kind of speeds up the timetable and yeah. Yeah, I think provides certainty to our clients ultimately, which is what's important. So they're not questioning what's going on and what's happening. Excellent. Yeah. Well, good. This has been uh, interesting. So, I mean, just to wrap it up here, um, anything else you want people to know about you? What's the best way to reach you? Yeah, for sure. Um, Let's see. So yeah, if they, anyone wants to reach out to me, um, you can use my email address is, uh, is one way. So that's Kyle, K-Y-L-E at hkklawoffices.com, Kyle at hkklawoffices.com, or find me at our website, hkklawoffices.com. Um, you want to reach me by telephone, it's 920-457-4800, 920-457-4800. What I'd want, you know, people to know is this, um, you know, we started this program, we call it the Meaningful Ideas Trading Club, and um, it's a weekly program that we run via Zoom every Thursday, noon to one o'clock Central Standard Time in America, and uh, what we talk about is personal development and business development. Uh, we started that April of 2021 and um, really gained some good traction with it. It's really organic. It's fun. It has elements of a podcast, elements of a networking group. Um, but, you know, the major goal is community over competition. Um, sometimes it's localized where, you know, the majority of people in there are from this area in Wisconsin, but we bring people in from outside. Um, we've had some international people. We've had people throughout the United States. And we kind of view it this way. So the area where we live, if people are watching this, you might be familiar with like the Kohler company um, and they, they make the uh, shower products and the fancy showers and the toilets and all that sort of stuff. Well, that's right here uh, in our county. Also, um, Johnsonville Brats, right? You've probably heard of that. That's produced right here. What we love about those two businesses is that Johnsonville Brats started as a butcher shop in this tiny unincorporated town of Johnsonville, and now it's an international brand. Kohler Company, same thing, started in the village of Kohler, and now it's an international brand. And so what we think is that if you're a person that is interested in your personal development or business development, there's nothing that says you or your business can't be at that level too. You know, it happened right in front of all of our eyes here. So um, anyone who's interested in joining that program can reach out to me. I can give you the link. It's an open call and you can just listen in or share. We do um, record that and replay it. So it's out there on the internet too. You can find that at our YouTube page. If you just search Holy Kaufman and Kautzer, H-A-W-L-E-Y, uh, Kaufman, K-A-U-F-M-A-N and Kautzer, K-A-U-T-Z-E-R. 
So, Excellent. I'm gonna um, check that so out. yeah, there's some information for you. I'd like people to know about that. Yeah. Excellent. I will definitely check that out. Cool. I'd love to have you on maybe as a guest sometime and you can tell us about what's going on and you know, what strides you've made because we just love to learn from, from people. And um, man, when people come in from like different geographics, right? Like you probably have this where you are on the beaches, these um, fancy picnics that people put together on the beaches. Have sure. you seen that? Yeah. And me and my wife would see that when we travel and we're like, we need that back here, right on the shores of Lake Michigan. And I thought, well, I don't have the time to get that started. But now there's a woman in town who did start it. And that's just cool when you bring things from different areas and then you bring it back to your community. I think that's fun. It's that's what uh, Howard Schultz did for Starbucks. Right. There you um, go. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Well, we'll, we'll yeah. have to keep this conversation going. Okay, good. Thank you for thank you for having me. But for now, let me wrap it up. This again, this is uh, Kyle Kaufman, and uh, use the abbreviations. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pronounce your full firm, Holly Kaufman and Kautzer, H K K Law, in uh, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Yep. And uh, this is sponsored by Emotion Track, and we are a case prep platform. We use AI to gather nonverbal communication that people use to prepare for uh, trials and mediations. And th thanks again, Kyle. It was really fun. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's a lot of fun. You bet. Have a good one, man. Bye.